Can you say that I am his? I'm his. Bible said that you're not your own. If you're saved, you're bought with a price. You belong to him through his redemptive work on Calvary. He shed his blood that he might redeem us to buy us back that we might belong to him. And if you've experienced that this morning, you're his. You're not your own. And I pray that God help us to understand that. We'd give our lives all there is about us for him and for his, his work to be a blessing, to be used of God, to win others to Christ. And if you've never experienced the wonderful grace that the choir sang about and we as a congregation sang about and never experienced what Charles has just sung about, it's our desire today that you'd know that, that you could be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Now, while we'll pray, and I ask you to pray with me, I have been wrestling this week and ask our folk on Wednesday night to pray with me about a message for this morning. And uh, I'm, I'm still wrestling with it. So I want you to pray with me. Heavenly Father, I ask now the Holy Ghost of God, Lord, to settle in my heart and my mind what we need to do this morning. God, I pray the Holy Ghost of God would open my mind, my heart, and speak to and through me this morning, even now. I want to thank you, Lord, for the good service already and for Bible study Sunday school time. And I pray, God, the Holy Ghost right now would breathe on me, quicken me, and God help me. Lord, what an awesome responsibility in this great host of people here before me today to preach the word of God to them. And I pray, God, you just speak now in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you open your Bibles, please, to the book of Romans chapter number 10. Now, I had thought today I would preach on the Titanic. Some of you have heard that maybe on two or three occasions. But April the 15th will be the anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic. And it's our desire to have a good digital recording of the message if God would help us to do that so we can make sure we have it on the highway by April. But I want to read Romans chapter number 10 this morning. Romans chapter 10. We're going to divert just a short time from, the, from Isaiah this morning to read this text. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteous which is the law. The man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not thine heart who shall ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep, that is, to bring up Christ again from the dead? But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is, the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whoso believeth in him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever 
shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me just make a comment or two about this passage of scripture for you this morning and pray God to speak to our hearts. Paul had a heart's desire that his kinsmen, according to the flesh, the Jew, would be saved. Many of you have a loved one that's lost and you desire that they'd be saved. Paul said, it is my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. In this building this morning, in the radio audiences, there are going to be people who want to get close to God. Nobody in their right mind wants to die and go to hell. They want to go to heaven. They want to have a relationship with God. Now, the problem is most people go at that ignorantly. Either they think that they can have a relationship with God by good deeds. That is that they've gone about to establish their own righteousness. They're going to try to do the best they can. Some of you in this building this morning think you're going to go to heaven because you're doing the best you can. You're doing good deeds. You are benevolent. You're kind. You try not to hurt anybody. You're going to live by what you call the golden rule. And you're going to try to do your very best. But going about to establish your own righteousness is done ignorantly. Because Paul says of Israel, they've gone through all the rituals of worship. They have a very rigid standard of morality. And they've gone through all those things. And yet they come short. You know why? Because the Bible says all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. Regardless of what you do or what anybody does to try to be good enough to measure up the God's standards. When God looks at it, he sees it as filthy rags. Doesn't measure up to him. Doesn't come up to his standards. And that's true of everybody. Not just you here. Not just those in the sound of my voice. But around the world and in every age. People who have tried to establish their own righteousness. Have always come up short. Because all of our righteousness in his eyes are his filthy rags. And they don't measure up to what God would have us to do. He said some of those people wonder and question about the law. And he said that the law, those people who try to live under the law, have to do those things of the law. And he said, but the righteousness of faith speaks on this wise. You don't say who's going to ascend into heaven to bring Christ down or who's going to descend into the deep to bring him up. Some people try to keep the biblical law. I mean, they're sincere about the word of God and they read the word of God. And you've been reading the word of God diligently and trying to get everything down just right to live by the word of God. Can I say to you that this is the the perfect word of God. There's no errors in this King James Bible whatsoever. And you can love it and you can read it and you can tote it. And you can say, I've got grandma's Bible and I've got granddaddy's Bible. And you can know the word of God. You can recite the word of God. But can I say something to you? It's not reading this word. It's not believing this is the word of God that will save you. The Jews kept a strict regulation to the Jewish law, which is contained in the Old Testament. They tried as best they could to live by that. And and so they wouldn't miss out. They'd added things to it more strict, if, if you could say that. But he said this, the law was never given to give life. And you see, the Bible says that you're dead in trespasses and sin. And so if you're trying your best to keep the law, you're trying as a dead man to obey God. It's just as if there was a, a casket here and there's a body in it. 
And I'd go up to that dead man and I'd say, I want you to stand up. Well, he can't stand up. I want you to raise your hands. He can't raise his hands. And he said this, it is impossible, he said, for the flesh to keep the law. By the deeds of the law, no flesh can be justified in his sight. Now, you're not, a, many of you, maybe some in the radio audience or somewhere that are Jewish. But most of you here are not Jewish. But you still try to do the same thing. You still try to justify yourself by some mental assent to the word of God. And by some type of willful determination to live according to the word of God. But you're doing it ignorantly. Because you see, you can't be saved by doing good deeds. And you can't be saved by keeping the law. The Bible said, wherefore then serveth the law. It was given that every mouth might be stopped. And that all the world become guilty before God. And that's why God gave the law. Is so that you become guilty. That you'd become desperate. That you'd recognize that there's no hope in you. As long as you think you're as good as somebody else. Regardless of who it is. As long as you say, well, I'm as good as so and so. Or I'm doing the best I can. There's no hope for you. But it's when you come to that place of total desperation. And honest confession. That you are a sinner. And that you're guilty before God. And you cry out that wonderful book. Of the song that the choir sang a while ago about amazing grace. And John Newton wrote that song. And he said that that word, that, that grace, grace, and grace shows us our sin. It shows us our need of a savior. My dear friend, when we're convicted of that and we know that Jesus Christ died to save us, then there's hope of heaven. I was sharing with a young man not long ago. And I've done it here, I think. But I said, you know who gets saved? The one who calls. The one who calls. So if you go down to the coast of North Carolina, go to any beach you want to, and there's a lifeguard stand, maybe 100 people on the beach, 100 more in the water. He's watching, he's listening, he's diligent, watching very closely what's going on. All of a sudden, there's a cry for help. He'll come down off that stand. He'll run. He'll jump over people laying on the sand, run around them, dive in the water, swim around a hundred people. And he's going to the very one who's calling for help. And can I tell you today, the only person he'll ever save is one who knows that he's dying on his way to hell. And if you'll cry out in that marvelous grace, he said, if you'll call, I'll answer. They go about to establish their own righteousness ignorantly. They're trying to do right. And I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, many of you this morning, you're trying to do the best you can. You're trying, you want to go to heaven. You don't want to go to hell. But the truth of the matter is we do it ignorantly. You can't bring Christ down from above. You can't bring him up out of the grave. But he said this, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. The Holy Spirit of God comes to convict you of sin and righteousness and judgment. He shows you you're a sinner. Sin. He'll get you to where your mouth is stopped and you become guilty before God. You won't care what anybody else does, anybody else says. You'll realize that you are lost and on your way to hell. He'll convict you of righteousness, that you don't have any righteousness of your own. And of judgment, that unless something happens, you'll be in hell for all eternity. And he said this, when you come to that point, he said, if you'll believe in your heart and confess through the mouth of the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. Believe in what? Believe that Christ died. 
and was buried and rose again. That's a historical fact. You've been singing about it, reading about it ever since you've been a child. It's not believing a historical fact. It's believing the reality that he bore your sins in his own body on that tree. That he suffered and bled and died for you. And that the only hope you have of heaven is what he's already done for you. And it's a done deal. Believe in your heart, not in your head. You've got to believe in your heart. It's got to be genuine, real to you. You may believe the factual part of it. But when you come to realize that it was me, that he had all of my sin on him. He suffered my death. He suffered my hell. He's in hell. He, he, he experienced my death in hell for me. And he, he did it all for you. And beyond that, that he rose again. And that is that it's already been paid for. It's already been paid for. That, and, and he has satisfied all the righteous demands of a holy God. And it's available. It's free. Tis grace that taught my heart to fear. But it was grace my fears relieved because I understood that not only did he bear my sin, but he has atoned for my sin. He's paid for my sin. And now it's a free gift for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's a free gift to anybody and whosoever will may come. Do you believe in your heart that Jesus bore your sin? Do you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ has paid for your sin and that he's alive right now? Do you believe in your heart that he said this? He said the word is nigh thee. Do you believe this morning that just as surely as I'm standing in this pulpit and as you're seated in your, seated in your pew or wherever you may be listening to this message, that he's nigh you? you think about this. I see people come in and out of this building that I've never met before. And I greet them as as friendly as I possibly can, but I don't know you. And sometimes it may take me a few meetings to get to know you. But before you ever came in this building, before you ever walked on these grounds, there was somebody here who already knew you and he knew all about you and he knew everything you'd ever done. He knew every sin you ever committed. He knew every wicked thought you've ever had. He knew everything you've ever done, but he loved you and he's nigh to you. He's right there now. He's here now. He came this morning in the person of the Holy Spirit of God drew you into this service because he wants to save you. He wants to forgive all of your sin. Oh, listen, have you ever been on an occasion when you felt like people were just avoiding you? They didn't act like they wanted to be around you. But oh, there's something about a compassionate Savior that has drawn the sinners. He's drawn to you. He loves you and he wants to redeem you. The Bible said he went about all of their cities and villages. And he's drawn to you this morning. He's nigh. He's right where you are. Right where you are. He loves you. He's so close, the Bible says, in the book of Revelation. And I know if you study uh, the eschatological aspects of, of revelation and all the sequence of time and so on. I understand all that. And he's speaking to the churches. But what a wonderful illustration. He said in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And so not only is he near, but he's knocking. He's not only near to you this morning, but he's knocking. He's speaking to you. He wants to save you. He wants to forgive all of your sin. He's that close to you right now. If you believe in your heart, 
confess with your mouth. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. If I were to come to your home, I don't care how well I know you. I would not walk into your home uninvited. I may have been to your home a hundred times. We may be like family. I don't even go into my children's home that way. Unless they know I'm there and know I'm coming in. But I'll knock on the door. I respect privacy. And the Lord Jesus Christ will knock. But he's not going to barge his way in this morning. But he said, whosoever shall call, I'll come in. And I'll forgive him. And I'll forgive her. And I'll make you a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. So cry. Now watch this. When he said, when you cry to me, he said, the Holy Spirit of God will come in. You receive him by faith. And he says, the Spirit of God comes in and he cries, Abba, Father. This precious little baby back there this morning, oh, she's such a doll. You need to get close to her. Get, you, you saw her a while ago, but you need to see her this morning. All these little ones around here. Some of them I've had the privilege of being at the hospital, near the hospital when they were born. But I was in the delivery room when Becky was born. And the rest of them, I couldn't get, couldn't get in there. But I remember that cry of life. When she cried out her first breath. And my dear friend, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, Lord, the Holy Spirit of God comes in you and he cries, Abba, Father. What a transition from death to life, from being in the kingdom of darkness to becoming a part of the kingdom of, of his dear son. And you become a child of the king, born into a royal family. Just that quick, it's instantaneous. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, not shall be saved later, but right then, get born again by the grace of God. I wonder this morning, have you ever experienced that? Let me address the Christians in the building for just a few minutes. Paul said, I've got one desire, my heart's desire. And that is that Israel might be saved. I wonder how urgent it is for you, how much of a desire it is for you to see men and women, boys and girls saved. That ought to be the desire of every believer, of every saint of God to do everything you can, all that you can to win souls for Christ. Would you bow your heads to prayer this morning? While we have our heads bowed, eyes are closed. Believe the Holy Ghost of God having to share this this morning with you sometime at a later point I want to bring the message on the Titanic but right now it's a sad thing for people who are blasphemers and rejectors atheists they say to not come but for those who have a desire those who are going about to establish their own righteousness, those who want to be saved, but they're going about it ignorantly. I, can I tell you, it is so very, very easy. It's so very, very simple. He made it to where any man, woman, boy, girl can do it. And he said this, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The old song, we sing an invitation time, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Will you come to him? Will you right now, right where you are, call on him? Will you do that right now? Will you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ right now? Believe him with your heart. You don't make him any promises. You don't tell him what you're going to do. You're going to do better. 
You don't tell him I'm going to quit this and start doing that. You just simply say, Lord Jesus, you paid for all of my sin. I'm a sinner. Come in my heart and save me right now. Will you do that right now? Let's stand together with our heads bowed, eyes are closed.